Be careful of success. Even that has a dark side. From the actor Robert Redford. Welcome to Grimly. All right. We're recording. All right, how do we intro the show? <laughs> it's just like different every time. It really it's truly is. Different. We have no scripts. We have no, this is like no man's land. We're like, the podcasting. It is messy. And then sometimes it'll just eventually be like, welcome to Grimly. <laughs> you're like, oh, by the way. <laughs> Honestly, the last episode, it was like 10 minutes. And we're like, oh, by the way. No. This is Grimly. <laughs> it's a lot. You know, it's okay. Yeah, this is Grimly. Yeah, welcome to Grimly. I'm Missy. <laughs> I'm Max. And this is a really professional, super stable, mentally capable. Definitely mentally capable. That's not a question. <laughs> Sometimes. But yeah, yeah, this is Grimly. I was going to ask you about specifically on the podcast. Oh, did you watch Talk to Me? Yes, I did. That's the one with the hands. Yeah. Awesome. What did you think? I liked it. Was it like a Australian yeah. film? I did not like it. You know what? That one young boy mm-hmm. being beat to literal shit was traumatizing. That was bad. It was really bad. Did he live though, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Spoiler yeah. alert. Sorry guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. But why didn't you like it? Why would you ask me about a movie you don't like? I was wondering what you thought. Is it having to do with our story today? No, oh, no, not at all. No, but there was like no one in that movie that was likable. Oh, that's true. I mean, that, yeah. Like one antagonistic kind of um, uh, androgynous yes. character. The main character. Was kind of a pain in the ass for sure. She was, they were all pain in the asses. I mean, they're teenagers, I guess. It's maybe like VMO. The only likable character was Miranda Otto, which was the mom. Oh, who was Aowen in Lord of the Rings? Oh, this is all going away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but she had like strawberry blonde hair. I can't. I her face. It's not. Right I cannot even pull it up. Whatever. The movie's about the children. It is. But like that's speaking to the fact that like the only likable character in that fucking movie to me was the goddamn mom. I didn't think it was so bad. I it just like it didn't seem to have a direction. Like I couldn't tell what was actually like happening. Like yeah. Were they demons? Where are we going? Were they spirits? I actually still don't think I know that. You know, it just, it didn't, it seemed like it was a movie that needed to, like, have, like, another heavy edit. Maybe to it or something. Sure. Yeah, I, can, I see that. You know, yeah. it, it seemed like a movie that had a lot of hype around it. Yeah. And then it was just like, eh. Like, yeah. I like Smile, same way for me. I didn't see that one, but I thought that one was going to be shitty. Really? I did. I I thought it was going to be really good. But the empty that. I don't want to ruin it for you. You can ruin it. Well, so I'll, I'll let you know this. The best part of that movie was in the preview, which was very disappointing. When, like, the sister or the, the character is walking down the stairs to the car, and there's that part where, like, the head spins, like, the, uh-huh. and the face is there. That was the best part of that fucking movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, because the whole premise is, like, you get possessed by this demon from someone else like passing it on because oh, right, okay. if you witness their gruesome death like oh via themselves or oh okay you know like that's usually what happens and unaliving. then yeah unaliving themselves and like it passes whatever was following them onto you kind of okay. like it, it falls in the same way but there's a character in it where he like kind of beats the system by 
on alighting someone else. Okay. And but he's like, oh, murder. Yeah, he's in jail for it. Okay. Yeah. So he's in jail for murdering somebody else. But that's like his. This is how I was like basically able to stay alive. Oh yeah. So it's either he's like a victim. Yeah, he but... was a victim of it, but like he. And then he was in jail. And then he like prison? he broke the cycle because he killed somebody else. Oh god. But because he killed somebody else, he basically got rid of whatever curse was following. But now he's in prison. But now he's in prison. He seems like a victim. Yeah, but my in my head. Okay. With this movie, uh-huh. you just go kill a fucking Nazi sympathizer in front of other Nazi sympathizers, and then it passes the curse on to the Nazis. <laughs> okay, okay. I've got a- <laughs> There's a plan here. Wow, really coming at the Nazi sympathizers. Yes, I am. Pretty hard. But like he told the main character, like, hey, you should oh, do this. Oh, okay. This is how you get rid so of she it. Has a choice. So she has a choice. And so the whole movie, the rest of like half of the movie, she's teetering. She's like, do we do this or not? It's like, yeah, go fucking kill a child molester. I don't know. I, I guess like, yeah, for like, talk to me and smile. It's just like, we're disappointing. Okay, a little movie roundup at the top of the show. Today. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, because, so those are both made by A24, uh-huh. which also made a Heredity in Midsommar, which are yes. great horror movies. Thank you. You said it the way it's supposed to be pronounced, Midsommar. Yeah. And I've had people look at me like I'm insane for saying it that way. Really? Yes. Huh. Thank you. It's literally in the title. It's the way it's spelled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I just wonder if I'm completely desensitized to horror movies in general. I don't know if people this way too. Oh, okay. Just like because I've watched so many, maybe sometimes possible. Like there's every once in a while, there's one that gets me. Did you see Barbarian? Well, yeah, you told me about Barbarian. Did you like it? I did like oh, it. That's great. It was good. It was it was a good, was like a, good, was a good movie. movie. Same with like the the newest Evil Dead movie. I haven't seen it. Really? Mm-hmm. Bitch, you told me you did. It oh, no, no, I it. did. Oh, e- yeah, with Evil Dead Rise. Yes, with the mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was scary. It was good. It was like body horror. It wasn't, to me, like body horror, horror where you're like cringe, you're like, oh, I don't want to look. Yeah, I don't want to look because it's fucking scary. Or just gross and scary. I See, that's not the, scary. I don't like the possession and like the paranormal stuff really kind of gives me the creeps. See, that's scary, though. That's like fucking the- scary. I don't like it. I'm so afraid of the dark. I think I just completely am like, this isn't real, so I just don't care. If you lived in this house, would you want to watch scary movies? I did watch scary movies <laughs> at this house. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. I, I think I'm just completely insane. Yeah, maybe you're desensitized. I, yeah. I think I'm a little desensitized. Nothing is scary to you? There's a movie I watched recently called Host. I think I told you about. Yes, that was like the that one, webcam. Yeah, the, like the Zoom meeting. Yeah. That one freaks that me out. Get me, but I might have been in a different kind of mood yeah there was a movie i watched on amazon God, i wonder if i can look it up so the reason why i think it freaked me out so much is it was about this guy that was a like a youtuber and he was like an outdoors youtuber i meant to look this up earlier because so i knew it was not talk about it have you seen strangers though i have not With watched Liz Liz yeah that's fucking terrifying yeah, I I think I would be very scared of that movie, honestly. I can't find it. No, Missy. I actually am shocked that you haven't seen that. You know, you I... You that immediately. So, funny enough, there was a guy I was dating, and 
he always told me about the strangers because we used to talk about this stuff all the time. He's like, okay. he's like, you have to watch this. He's like, I really want to watch it with you though. So you were waiting. So I was waiting. Like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then watch it. I we stopped it seeing, and then I stopped seeing each other. You know what? Maybe we should watch it together with Dave because I'm not sure Dave has seen it. But maybe he has. I'll ask him. Okay. And then yeah. if, if he's seen it, then we can watch it. If we haven't seen it, we can watch it together. Otherwise, you should watch it immediately. Yeah. I, I do know that's like one of the top <laughs> scary movies. But it was, it's, so the whole premise of the other movie I just was describing is. So there's this YouTuber who has like this like outdoorsy YouTube account where he goes on like backpacking trips in I think Nevada is like the setting. And he comes across this weird random like little like shed cabin thing in the middle of nowhere. And he talks about on his YouTube channel. Oh, okay. This is a little thing. But he talks about on his YouTube channel that he he got like a really weird vibe. There was like smoke coming out of the chimney, but no one came out. He just said like he like felt very uncomfortable. Okay, it's kind of like Blair Witchy. Very Blair Witchy. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back and he uploads this video. And basically his entire YouTube following is like, you're making this up. This isn't real. You're oh, lying. Good. And he was like, well, no, I have to go back out and prove it to you guys that it was there. Okay. And Ooh. So he goes back out and some shit fucking happens. Oh my god. And the last like 10, 15 minutes of that movie like creeps me the fuck out. I wish I could find the name. You need to. I need to. Cry. (laughs) Cry. Whenever I get this close to the mic, this is serious. (laughs) We're not fucking around anymore. Okay. It's actually very rude. All right. Okay. I'm going to pause the recording. I'm going to do my show notes. (laughs) Pause. I'll pause this recording. Okay. We found the movie. Fucking 15 years later. (laughs) It actually was not that easy to find. It really wasn't. It was, it's called Horror in the High Desert. And you can confirm it looks like an actual, it looks like a documentary. Creepy. It's like a found footage movie. It's very short. It's only like an hour long. Okay. Maybe like an hour 20. But like, I love like a good sappy horror movie. You know, I don't mean like this long, it's true, drawn it's true. out it's very true. bullshit. Honestly, most movies are way too long right now. I agree. Why are we ever spending three hours in the movie? Like, can we like legitimately bring back the ninety-minute movie? A ninety-minute movie, or give me a goddamn intermission, like Sound of the Wind. See so what? Go to the bathroom. Because in the movie theater, you mean? Yes. yes, that's true. It, it's why it's just better to watch movies at home. Why did I say Sound of the Wind? I don't know. That went totally over my head. Gone with the wind. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie's bottom profile because there's an intermission. There's an intermission. It's all the older movies that have that intermission. Like a- Is there an intermission in Sound of Music? Too? Maybe. Honestly, probably not. I have no idea. But Gone with the Wind. Sorry. Is the movie I was talking about. But yeah. Horror. In the high desert. Is the yeah. Okay. Highly right, recommend I it. I will watch it. Go watch it. it it's it, so scary. It freaks me out. It freaks me out, I think, specifically mm-hmm. because it's about this guy alone in the woods. Yeah. It's like backpacking. Yeah. This is fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today? Uh, okay. So today we are diving into another murder case. Okay. This one was really hard for me to compile. I'm not going to lie. You know what is so wild? I hear podcasters say that all the time. The people that are doing the research. Uh, (laughs) Never the person like me just listening to it. But it's very interesting to hear you say that. Well, so 
This one, we're covering the Chris Benoit case. Oh, yeah, I know this. Okay, you have her. Look, this is a wrestler. Yeah, this is a very famous case. Yeah, this is... It's not easy. No. It's messy. This is messy. Yeah. But there's also, I think, with wrestling specifically, there's so much context within wrestling itself. Okay. Where I wanted to do the story justice. I wanted to do the family justice. Mm. And talking about this... Where you kind of had to like, I had to like dive head first in wrestling. Okay. And just try to like understand what the hell is going on. Yeah. And I did way more research than I have done on any other episode okay. so far. Oh. I think probably because I knew so much more like contextually wise, like what was going on. But like for this, I was like, fuck, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, mm. what does this mean, you know? And so I like redid these notes like three times. I literally was working on these today. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, so this is Chris Benoit. For those of you that don't know, I know you know. Chris Benoit was known as one of the best professional wrestlers out there and had ton of championships and titles underneath his belt, mm. literally and figuratively because they win belts. And <laughs> big, big giant, fuck, yeah. I would kind of want one. Yeah, totally. Like, just like, I don't know. Absolutely. Like, just fucking mounted out yeah. like a wall. I mean, they get paid all the time. They don't get paid that much. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Independent. In- to be, yeah. To be, like, left to act. Yeah. And a lot of them do. A lot of them do. You're thinking of um, the hot one. <laughs> wow. Cena. Yes, John Cena. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm thinking of. He's not personally my type. Um, he's got, he's got like a jawline. For sure. Yeah. No, but, like, about people it. like him. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. He's, he's the one that dates those that. The wrestler girl in a TV show, her and her sister. Oh. You don't know this? No. Wow. Pop, you didn't do enough research, son. <laughs> I can't it's even. It's not even like the same wrestler. It's not. <laughs> I have the pop culture contact. Listen, bitch, I fucking know more than you. That's fine. What is the show? <laughs> no, remember. Something demons. I don't know. Running deal, a hot girl and her sister were like wrestling. Okay, there's a lot of women like that, and she dated. She famously dated this guy for a long time. Okay, and he would not marry her, Mm. and they broke up. Okay, and now she's like fine. I'm sure, and like an actor. Yeah, she has like TV show. Sounds like they had a TV show on the E Network. Oh, see, that's why I don't fucking know. The last time I watched anything <laughs> on the E Network was Talk Soup with Joel McHale. Oh, that's a good one. No, I met Joel McHale. Really? He used to come to the restaurant that I worked at in Atlanta. He's tall. That's all I'll say. He's really tall. Good for him. Like the kind of tall that, like, when you sit at a table, like your legs are just sort of like. Oh, they like take up the space. They do. Into uh, the walkway. You know, because you worked at the restaurant business. Right. Those are the kind of things you notice. Yeah, totally. You're like, that sucks. That like, like, you fucking have the wrong table. I'm so sorry. I was like, it was just, he, yeah, he just wasn't like, in a booth. Like, yeah. He not even fit in a booth. It was a table just like this, this size. Interesting. Of I don't know if I mentioned him being that tall. Very tall, but he was nice. Yeah. And then the other show I used to watch on E Network was Chelsea Lately. Okay. Those are like a, my e network. The same TV show. They were the same. Fucking same TV <laughs> show. They made fun of everybody else. Yeah. So Chris Benoit was always considered a super nice guy in the wrestling world, specifically. Very professional. Very stoic. Very um, intense. 
was a word that was used a lot. In he the- seemed like a guy that was like serious. He was very serious. So my dad, I know about this because my dad watched wrestling all the time. Mm. I grew up with it. I am okay. one of two sisters. Or yeah. I'm one of three daughters. And so I've got two sisters. But my my dad would make us wrestle each other. He would do wrestling. He would do wrestling with us, throw us around. Like, he, we didn't have any brothers. He had no sons. Yeah. But, like, we... So we were forced to enjoy. I I did not. I know about all the wrestlers and anything I would have known about you were said like yes, that's definitely your mo. This would not this be surprising. It. This is so surprising. I can list a number of like popular nineties. So wrestlers. excited because I feel like you're gonna help me okay. so much. Maybe. Well, it's a lot of it is old. Yeah, you know, child. I mean, this was this is early like late eighties, early two thousands. Okay. Era. So the attitude era is what it's called specifically. Okay, I'm very interested. So I heard I heard about this from last podcast on the left. Did they do an episode? They did do an episode on this. Okay, that must be where I know about this story. Yeah, probably. Um, I can't imagine. But I remember him seeming like he was a serious guy. He had like I think he had black trunks. Yes, he wore black black tights. You know. Okay, and just like you know, curly blonde. Mm -mm. No brown hair. Brown ponytail. No slick back. No. Short hair? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst guess who game I've ever played in my life. I wouldn't stop that. I was like, what this is just like what they look like, all of them, dude. (laughs) They might do all this is Chris Benoit. Oh, okay, yeah. He looks angry. He yeah, but he never was described as an angry man. He was always described he's he's doing that like this looks like he's in the ring. I mean, he is in the ring right here. Oh, most of these not, pictures are from him. Villain? No, he was he never was no villain. Yeah, so villains in wrestling were called heels. What? <laughs> you really have done something. I really got some fucking babe. Okay, let me, let me faces and heels. Faces were the good guys. Heels were the bad guys. Oh, wow. If I've mixed that up, I am so fucking sorry, guys. No one else knows about I, this. Our tens of fans don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right um, now that i know what he looks like yeah uh, okay i hear him here i'm here with you oh god we haven't even got to we'll the first bullet <laughs> no no please i mean i have a lot of notes i'm not gonna lie i have to cut these out a lot all right <laughs> we'll get through buckle it up. <laughs> knuckle and buckle baby grab some water <laughs> maybe take a few breaks right just go for a long drive <laughs> So, born May 21st, 1967, in Montreal, Quebec. Oh, Canadian. He is a Canadian wrestler. He was born to Margaret and Michael Benoit. Okay, yeah. Also had a... Yeah, also had a sister named Laura. You know, they eventually, at some point, when he was pretty young, they moved to Edmonton. So, Chris grew up being a huge wrestling fan. And idolized two specific wrestlers named... Tom the Dynamite Kid Billington and Bret Hart. Oh, Bret Hart. Hart family is like a big dynasty within wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know who the other guy is, but I'm not a Corey. wrestling expert. Corey Hart? I believe is the other one. <laughs> Hi, guys. Quick post-recording note here. I mentioned that the other Hart brother from the Hart family was named Corey. It is not Corey. It is Owen Hart. So, for the rest of the episode, please don't I say Corey. I actually mean Owen. Sorry about that. 
I'm going to go ahead and blame that one on tequila. So when Chris was 12, he was actually able to see these two idols, the Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart, wrestle in a match live. And that's when he started to want to become a professional wrestler himself. So Chris prioritized this dream of becoming a wrestler throughout the entirety of his high school career. He literally, this is all he thought about. He thought about wrestling, nothing else. Okay. I mean, he graduated high school, but... He didn't, like, have, like, a social life outside of wrestling. This was just, this is what he wanted to do, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, when we made it to the top. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He also began training to get the physique of a professional wrestler. So, because of his dedication, and he kind of was working within the wrestling community, he was, like, volunteering as, like, a cleanup crew or, like, kind of helping with crowd enforcement, stuff like that, very young age. He got noticed and began training at the Hart Family Dungeon, is what they called it. Where is this? It's in Canada. Oh, it's in Canada. Yeah, it's in Calgary, specifically. Oh, okay. So he would kind of, he would bus over there on the weekends and train. Oh, I didn't know it was like, there was a... Oh, yeah. It's it's very big deal in Canada. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's Canada, Japan, Mexico, United States. Okay. Japan was the one that surprised me. I wouldn't have known that. Obviously, the Lucha Libre and Mexico. Yeah, for sure. I would not have known that. No, so he he would he would bust over to Calgary on the weekends. He was trained by Stu and Bruce Hart. There was a couple other um, sources that gave some other names that like trained him, but kind of seemed like Stu and Bruce were like the people that owned the facility or the dungeon. The, the dungeon was in someone's house. Okay, it was like this downstairs basement area. Okay, I'm sure it was like a wealthy person's house. Yeah, it's it's the Hart family. Yeah, okay. So Corey Hart. They had it set up in the... Okay. Yeah, Bret Hart. They... Yeah. Like, it's his father's too. Or maybe... Yeah, it's no. It's like he's like right in there. He made it... Yeah. He made it super quick. Yeah. Essentially. Like the, like the best of the Yeah, best. yeah. And like, this was a big deal for him to like be able to train with this family specifically. And he knew that. And so he really committed to it. So when Chris was 18, right, fresh after high school... Okay. He began his professional wrestling career Damn. with Stu Hart's Stampede Wrestling Promotions, okay. which is a Canadian-based wrestling program show. I don't know what else to call it. Okay. okay. <laughs> and in November 22nd, 1985, he was in a tag team match with the remarkable Rick Patterson, where he began wrestling with moves like the diving headbutt, which is where you go on the top of the ropes you dive with your head and give a headbutt. Wow. Like it sounds. And then he was also doing something called a snap suplex. Okay. Did your father teach you this during his wrestling? <laughs> there was a lot of suplex, <laughs> which usually I feel like it involved my arm being twisted in an uncomfortable oh, position. Okay. Behind my back, but I don't know. So the snap suplex, I looked into specifically like, before you were to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> So if I, like, I'm facing you like we are right now. Mm-hmm. We basically go, like, ear to ear. Okay. I put an elbow behind you. You put, like, an arm behind me. Okay. If you're on the offensive, I basically use, like, I stomp and use my, like, back motion to flip you over me. Okay. And we both, like, land on our backs on the mat. All right. Okay. So we're kind of, like, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. I'm intertwined. And then I, and like, flip you behind it me. It takes two people being working for it. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Wrestling, you have to talk about how gymnastic it's it is. It's insane. And they were, like, 
kind of partners, even though yeah. So right? with wrestling moves specifically, the person who's having the move done to them is the person in charge. Oh, okay. Because you're the one that's taking the most of like the the move, right? You're taking most of the blood. Dance it's almost a dance. Yeah. Yeah. This, there's this whole thing about like people talking about wrestlers not being like true athletes. Right. Which I think is kind of bullshit. It's rude. It's unnecessary. It is rude. And, like, they are. It's just, yeah. Like, being able to, like, take you and flip you behind my back and, like, both land on our backs. Yeah. You have to be able to train and do that and be the athletic ability to do that. And consent between, like, there's some amount of trust. Do they practice these They do. Yeah. Do they practice them with their opponents or do they just, like, know how to do the moves? I think, so, I think that's probably, like, the part of, like, the heart dungeon. Is where they're kind of training and they're like doing all of this. Yeah, but if you're fighting, yeah, somebody, yes. How I mean, maybe it's just like no, and there probably is some training there specifically because they plan the matches out beforehand. They do, they do. Wow. And like, there's a whole part of like, if you want to like, no, I'm not, (laughs) not anymore. It's fake. It's fake. Everybody, don't be that bitch. (laughs) So there's part of like you know you have to like build your persona and your career up to like get notoriety and like not necessarily in like a physical way but like you have to play the game it's a character it's game. a character in their storylines it is a play it's fucking theater kids that could lift weights 100 yeah that's what wrestling it's is theater yeah because it's really kitschy and yeah. cheesy it's a little cheesy it's super cheesy <laughs> you know here's my thing i used to think wrestling was kind of lame but I fucking love drag race and drag queens. And they're all so cheesy and corny. And it's all a persona. And so who am I to judge other people based on their, like, things wow. that they find entertaining? Right. And respectful. Yeah, I try to be, you know. Yeah. The, most of my abilities. It's nice. <laughs> so Chris was going by... So because he is using these moves, like we just talked about... Chris was using the wrestling name Dynamite Chris Benoit. Okay. If you remember, his idol was the Dynamite Kid. Got it. Okay. And he was using his move specifically. And was trying to, like, idolize and emulate him. Okay. And so that's when he got the Dynamite. Giving credit. All right. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. So, nice. I... So, I'm not going to put this out here right now. I very, very much condensed, thank you, his wrestling career because there just is so much okay and i tried to make it as condensed as possible for sake of this goddamn episode all right i do you want to run through it no it's fine so from 1985 to 1989 chris wrestled with the stamp underneath stampede wrestling he won some championships he got his first big title in march 1988 which was a british commonwealth mid heavyweight championship hmm just sounds like a bunch of words. That's a lot of words. I don't know what that means. But he won that in 1988. And he also got a few other tag team titles because he was started out as a tag team wrestler. Which is when two of them wrestled together. Yes. Against two other wrestlers. Yes. Yes. He got tennis matches. Yeah. There was a, there's so many wrestling names thrown out there that I kind of stopped adding them in because just for like people's ability to track this sure yeah yeah because chris's name wrestling specifically changes a lot a lot okay i mean just that's just how it is okay i don't know how they come up with these names i don't know if it's like a like a porn star formula name Mm -hmm. do you know your porn star name no oh mine's maddie woods maddie woods yeah 
That's not bad. She sounds like a hot. <laughs> she sounds like a good bitch. Uh, cute. Your porn star name is your first pet. The name of your first pet. And either some sort of variation of the street you grew up on or the neighborhood you grew up in. Mine is a drag name. What is that name? It would be Marques Big Bend. <laughs> That's terrible. You know, I like it. So, in 1989, Stampede Wrestling decided to close the stores. And with the encouragement of other wrestlers, Chris decided to go to Japan because they had a blooming pro wrestling scene. Wow, okay. What year was this? Do we know? 89. 89. Okay. I literally just said that. Probably listening. <laughs> I'm not trying to give you a hard time, but I literally just fucking said it, which just makes it so fucking funny. <laughs> Anyways, 89. So Chris went over to Japan and joined the New Japan Pro Wrestling Association, which is also called the NJPW. What are they in Tokyo or do you know what city? It just said Japan. It's probably Tokyo. I'm imagining. I think so, but who knows? It's not bad. So in Japan, Benoit started wrestling under the name of the Pegasus Kid. Okay. Which is new country, new name. New name. And he wore a mask this time with his persona. So he wore like a blue, shiny, like foily, shinily blue mask. And it had like like Pegasus wings over the eyes. Yeah. He hated it originally, but then he kind of grew to love the mask. Okay. During his time with the NJPW, he also won multiple championships and titles, including a junior heavyweight championship. Okay. So he was up and coming throughout the time, and he's pretty young still. Yeah. He's like early 20s. So during this time, he also became super close with two other wrestlers named Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Okay. And Eddie Guerrero, he plays a huge part in his life. I haven't heard a whole lot about Dean specifically, but those were the two that were kind of named throughout this part of his life. And they all three of these guys kind of came up in the business together. Mm. And they were super close, and they were kind of each other's cheerleaders in each other's careers. Kind of the entire time they were wrestling. So the NJPW and the World Championship Wrestling, a.k.a. the WCW, mm-hmm had talent partnerships. So WCW is in the in the States, in the United States. Yeah. The NJPW is in Japan. But they would kind of like trade off back and forth between talent and like kind of go back and forth overseas. And so Chris was also wrestling with the WCW. And WCW means? Uh, World Championship Wrestling. World Championship Wrestling. Yeah. And doing um, matches with another organization called the ECW, which is the Extreme Championship Wrestling, which is also in the States. Okay. Extreme Championship? Yes. All right. So he is with the NJPW, the WCW, and the ECW. Okay. So that's a... Is he... He must be doing a lot of wrestling. Yes. Constantly. Okay. Um, Most of the time, wrestlers, like, I think the statistic is they work 300 days a year. Really? Uh-huh. What the f- What? Yeah. Why? 
I think it's just... Are they touring? They're touring. They're, touring. they're traveling other states, other really? places, and like wrestling. Because they're not getting paid very much? They're not being paid very much. Oh, no. No. Yeah. So that's the new body. Yes. So also at this time, Chris had gotten married to his first wife named Martina. And they had two kids together named David and Megan. But eventually the marriage fell apart because David became involved with a woman who would eventually become his second wife named Nancy Sullivan. Okay. Have you heard that name? Yes. Okay. So something I didn't add in here. So the entire time he's doing all these insane like wrestling tours and like this insane schedule, he started using steroids. Okay. And steroids has become like kind of a norm with wrestling specifically. Okay. Which probably a lot of sports, but probably a lot of sports specifically. But like like wrestling, I think in the eighties and the nineties was pretty rampant because it's like kind of like bodybuilding adjacent, right? Yes. Which you know, obviously they're doing it. Yes. Or, yeah, they were doing it. And like wrestling in the eighties and nineties, it was just like not really regulated. Okay, I believe that too. And so there was way more steroid use. I believe it. Yeah, because also these guys they had a certain facade and persona they were trying to give off especially if they weren't like super tall mm. and Chris Benoit is like maybe like 5'10". Sure. Yeah, he's not an enormous guy. He's not like a 6'3", six, 6'2", yeah. whatever dude. Sure. So they're trying to like really really build themselves up like horizontally essentially. Right. Like build up their chest, build up their biceps, like just look like these big wow, fucking monsters. Um, Because they were tall. Yeah, because it's such like a it's like a like a a dancer sport it's like a gymnast sport and mm-hmm. those are small people like, <laughs> that do those male small height wise is what you mean yes like, okay. they're just kind of more petite mm-hmm. um so you've got these like petite people doing very like active yes like pyrotechnic yeah. type of like that's that's not the right calisthenics that's yes. what i'm thinking calisthenics. yes um that type of like exercise mm-hmm and they're performing. Yeah. And so then they also have to be domineering and enormous. Yeah. And they have to do it three hundred days a year. A basketball player is not going to do flips. You know what yeah. I'm saying? If you're yeah. really that tall, it's like they're your body not type is diving no. off of fucking ropes into people. like with like with their forehead essentially. Very complicated. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a weird industry. Mm-hmm. Um it's very fascinating. There's yeah. so many stories like this. Not this one specifically, but there's just so many like dark sides of wrestling where I feel like you can make a podcast just specifically wow. of this shit. Oh, wow. To give you some insight, Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. who is yep. the owner of the WWE. WWE. And I think also he owns WCW now. Yeah, I think, I think he they were both. separate at some point. They were separate yes. at some point. There was a rivalry and he bought both. Yes. And it was all like... It was all done on the stage of wrestling. Yes. Yes. They played it out. A lot of drama. A lot of business talk made it into Um, the weekly So Vince McMahon has a six-part series on Behind the Bastards. A six-part? Harvey Weinstein has three. Wow. Just to give you how much insight of how much a piece of shit Vince McMahon is. I've listened to most of it. It's a lot. Wow. Vince McMahon's a piece of shit. Oh. He's ruined multiple lives within like wrestling community specifically. Oh, no. And so 
just to give you an idea of like how dark wrestling world can be like that's how many fucking episodes the owner dude he has. was like the owner and then he is such an egomaniac that he was like no now i be the wrestler oh he and always he wanted to be he always wanted to be a wrestler with them and just becoming a villain it was yeah it's yeah. really it's, it's truly insane it's fake but it's also like a little too real <laughs> yeah yeah, Chris Benoit also got married during this time with his stint with the WCW, the ECW, and the NJPW, where he married his first wife, Martina, and they had two kids together named David and Megan. Okay. But that marriage fell apart when Chris became involved with a woman who eventually became his second wife, Nancy Sullivan. All right. Nancy's picture. Yes. So, born Nancy Elizabeth Tofolini. She was in, born in Boston on May 17, 1964. Her family would eventually relocate to Florida, which Florida is a big area for wrestling. I believe that, yes. So Florida and Connecticut. Oh, and mm-hmm. it's all coming together now. Yeah. <laughs> so in Florida, Nancy was also a big fan of wrestling. And she began kind of becoming involved in the wrestling world. She started modeling and also started selling wrestling event programs okay. at local wrestling shows. Like a fan. Yeah. She became like she a little, like, yeah, she was in the scene. She's trying to get herself in as like a teenager, like okay. 16. Okay. No, not groupie. Oh, okay. No, Nancy was never like a groupie. Oh, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> she, be- she became a valet. A val- so a valet in wrestling is like a female specific manager. Of wrestlers. So what's like their like right hand man, essentially. Like they come out with the whatever male counterpart they have. Okay. It's like their their better half. Okay. Yeah. So before she became that, but she um so she joined Kevin Sullivan's crew and she became Fallen Angel was her persona that she took on. And so she became Fallen Angel specifically because Kevin's wrestling group had the persona of being a group of Satanists. Whoa. As like the wrestling, like, I think it's called like K-Flay. Okay. And like Satanism is like kind of like a big thing in this era, right? It's okay. like early 90s. Fallen Angel became a really good persona. So eventually Nancy and Kevin formed a romantic relationship. Even though Nancy was already married to her high school sweetheart, a guy named Jim Doss. So Nancy and Jim got divorced in 1985, and she and Kevin became a couple, and they eventually got married in 1982. Okay. So kind of the same time as Chris is like coming up, Nancy's coming up, like in different kind of realms, sure. right? So Nancy is a very successful valet, which is a female wrestling manager, like I explained earlier, and sometimes like the female valets were. I don't know why I call that female ballet. Ballet is just literally just called a female manager in mm. wrestling. Wow, that was a lot of terminology. I don't really know that love that. It's not even told. It's not even. Or like corporation. You know, like when you work yeah. at our company and there's just a bunch of weird. Written jargon. jargon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as a ballet, she was okay. the mouthpiece for wrestlers when they're in the ring. So she kind of be like on the outside, like kind of like building up the crowd, getting oh. them like into the moment and Perfect. really selling the story. Oh. And she was really, really good at that. She really I, like sold it. I'm 
I'm not familiar. Yeah, that's kind of what the valet did. Okay. So Nancy and Kevin started working out of the ECW, the WCW, and other independent wrestling circuits throughout the 90s. And then Nancy eventually started going as the valet name of woman. Hmm. Is that a falling angel? Okay. I don't love woman. Yeah. Yeah, It's different. It's early 90s, I guess. It's all, I don't know. Woman. Just woman. Mm. Yeah. So while giving off the appearance of being happily married, Nancy and Kevin eventually began to have a more volatile relationship that included domestic abuse claims coming from the both of them. Okay. No, tell. So there's, there's, yeah, there's multiple stories coming from both sides about like them being abusive towards the other. Okay. Not a good relationship. Not a good relationship. Because Nancy, like, full on was a badass. Sure. Okay. She could fucking throw her. She's in a bad situation. Yeah, she could hold her own. Hold her own. Yeah. Ugh, not a good situation. No, so it's, like, not saying that, like, that's a good thing, but, you know, she was definitely not one to take any bullshit. Right. So even though Kevin and Nancy were drifting apart during this era, they kind of continued to work together because they were trying to keep up the storyline that she was his valet, they were married in real life, and they had kind of started working in the WCW almost exclusively, which the WCW is the, what was now, what was then the WWF, which is now the WWE, like counterpart. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, no, I'm confused. So WCW, WWF. Yes. Early 90s. Rivals. Rivals. Yes. 2000s. Like early 2000s rivals. The WWF eventually became the WWE. Right, okay. Yeah. Because there's also the World Wildlife Foundation. Is that why it had to change? Because they went by WWF. I don't think that was ever made known. And there was a lawsuit, WW World Wildlife Foundation (laughs) won. They're like, this is our game. They just changed at one point, but I don't think that That I That is what I understood, and that's what like I've heard in a couple other podcasts I've listened to you about this shit specifically i'm just like trying to remember back to when i was a kid and like you know when it yeah. happened and i'm just like i don't think that was the best probably not i wish that my dad was doing this episode he would be annoying he would you know, be annoyed also <laughs> probably he'd be like you have no fucking idea what you're talking about they'd be like sir i know can you just fucking <laughs> deal with me please <laughs> I am doing my goddamn best. <laughs> my algorithm is fucked for years because I've watched so much wrestling YouTube. Oh, that's the worst. It's... Anyways. So, back to what I was saying. So, Kevin and Nancy heard the WCW. The WCW storyline that Kevin and Nancy and Chris were in is a big part of this whole story in general. Okay. So, this is kind of why I included all of this buildup to this storyline because I feel like there's you just need a lot of like context of like how they came up in wrestling world specifically. Okay. So in 1986, Kevin and Nancy Sullivan and Chris Benoit were all working within the WCW. Okay. During this time, Chris was in a wrestling group called the Four Horsemen. That's just what they were. Okay. I'm not gonna go any further. Sure. Because no, I can't. No, I fucking no, my brain can't do it. No one's asked you to. Okay, good. <laughs> and he was kind of an up-and-coming star in the WCW. And Sullivan decided that he wanted to create a feud 
storyline involving Chris himself okay. and his wife Nancy. Theater. It's drama. Because it's, it's drama, darling. So, Kevin. Were they dating? No. Him and Nancy? No. They weren't dating? No. Oh, so this is a manufactured. Yeah. So story. Kevin and his wife Nancy are married. Chris is in there. He's like, hey, let's create a storyline between all of us. Okay. Like a love triangle, essentially. Wow. So it was his idea. They said, when secretly. <laughs> Maybe. Kevin decided that since Nancy was also a valet for the Four Horsemen, so the group that Chris was a part of, it would be a good idea if they create a fake storyline that Chris has stolen Nancy away from Kevin. It's very, an, it's an interesting choice to do with your actual marriage. Where it's disintegrating. Very interesting choices yes. being made. Yes. Okay. It really blurry. It really shows how committed they are to wrestling. Yeah. And how much they wanted to create like a drama and a storyline because they're like, you know, let's just we make separate which personal from business. Yeah. Let's just like make this a thing because mm-hmm. I think it'd be good. Even though like this might put a further strain on my actual relationship yeah they're in it really deep yeah they're do in they it get paid so more deep. money do you have any idea of- not at this point yeah. like so, it's just for the do they have to come up with their own storylines or the no yeah writing? yeah no it's like they're also coming up with their own so story if you line. don't have drama you're not going to be yes featured yes yeah so kevin specifically came up with the storyline all right kevin kevin sullivan so this includes videos of Chris and Nancy cozying up and like drinking wine together, where Chris would say like mocking things. He's like, "Oh, it's like I won your your queen and Jess type of weird shit." That's really corny. Sure. And they would air this during WCW productions, where they would like have Kevin watching it mm-hmm. and like giving a reaction, right? Like, oh, wow. Jerry Springer, type. Jerry Springer esque yeah. drama, and. Kevin really wanted to sell the storyline specifically, so he asked Chris and Nancy to travel together to wrestling events and, like, go out to dinner together. They, like, hang out together outside of wrestling. Interesting. Drama, specifically. So this manufactured stuff. So it's fe- believable. Because at this point, it wasn't, like, publicly known that wrestling wasn't real. Yes. That's what I was saying earlier. I was yeah. like, you are blowing the lid off of this. I'm not. Not anymore. If I, this was like 20 years ago, yes, I would be. No, I, I know. I'm just saying, I think that there are still some people in their 60s who think they grow up. Who who might not believe that it's fake, but like, don't fully know all of the things that we know about. But what is essentially like reality TV? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, but at this point... He was trying to sell this storyline. All right, kind because, of edge, yeah. Yeah, because he really knew that like people thought this was real. When was this now? This was still in the nineties. No, this is like late nineties, early two thousands. Okay, I'm like oh ninety seven, ninety seven. Okay, that's still kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. Wow. So, Chris Benoit was initially opposed to selling the storyline that hard because he had a wife at home. Okay. Who had just given birth to his baby girl, Megan. Oh. He's like, I don't really want to, like, do this. Like, why is this necessary? And then why is this necessary? Yes. But he was also very committed to wrestling in the wrestling world. Okay. And even though him and his wife were on the rocks at this time, he eventually agreed to help sell the storyline by doing the travel and the restaurants and stuff together. Mm-hmm. So, in a shock to no one. They Chris and Nancy 
eventually had an affair. Jesus. In real life. Which is not Jesus. great. Yeah. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? I don't know. It's just like a mess. It's a mess. It, it, it's messy. It's, it's messy. So but messy. like, it's... I mean... What reality TV show is it messy? Yeah, Yeah, it is very sad. I do feel bad for her too. So in 1997, Chris and Nancy divorced their current partners. So Nancy divorced Kevin. Chris divorced Martina. And they started dating in real life. So in that same year, Kevin had a retirement match against Chris. Where there was kind of some blurred lines because they basically eventually kind of almost were like beating each other up because of this behind the scenes drama, right? So there's actual beef now? Um, there's a little bit of beef, but Kevin was pretty professional throughout the entirety of this. And it was like, what else are you supposed to do? Like, you fucking, this was your idea. You set it up. Like, you kind of set this up. Wild. Like, but she was in. Sure. Like, yeah. You're like, a dingus and you didn't expect this to happen and now you're like kind of pissed about it and maybe have reason to yeah right uh but you're a dingus and you really should have stayed coming yeah so kevin had a retirement match in 1997 against chris specifically right and now i have a question about retirement matches yes. is this a real retirement like a jay-z type of retirement a real one for him this is his last fight from when I've found, this, is, this was his last in-ring wrestling match. Wow, okay. And he, it was planned that he would lose. Okay. Kind of handing the torch off to Chris. Ooh, all for the- Which is- The theater. All for the story. Dude. Which is another like, factor of like how much they commit to this fucking storyline and how much they commit- To the detriment of their own pride and personal lives. But, so, building up to this, like, it's not even like that, personal lives and pride, it's their- bodies oh that they're sacrificing oh, sure to the sport to steroids to painkillers to like battle the pain that they're really got into the steroids too much no i mean there's not much to say besides like all fucking wrestlers at this time using steroids to like build up and like get muscle mass and like i don't really that's kind of it honestly i feel like the steroids become a a part of it later okay but I mean, at this point, everyone's doing steroids. Yeah. Like, everyone talks about, like, how much scar tissue is in everyone's asses. Really? Because they're all just getting injected constantly. Whoa. With steroids. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like it's aggressive. The what? In the butt? I'm, like, trying to imagine how you would give yourself an injection that would give you scar tissue unless you're not, like, slain. But you're constantly doing it. How many, like, multiple times a day or just every day? I think just every day. I don't know. I just think people do. Like, okay. you do it, you're constantly, like, like building muscle and, like, trying to, like, you know. Sure, you don't have a lot of fat. You don't have a lot of fat there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, like, steroids are just, like, a kind of a common thing within wrestling at this time, for sure. Okay. And also, painkillers, because they're constantly like wrecking their bodies yeah, yeah. yeah for true. like daily this... 300 times a year yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah. it's not right it's not right um which is another reason why i'm this again is a piece of shit yeah so in the 1997 match nancy also retired okay. her career as a valet and began focusing on actually managing 
Chris's wrestling career. Okay. So she, she became like a real life, not like a real life, but like a businesswoman in the sense that she was actively managing okay. Chris Van Watt's career. All right. She like took the the skills and the experience she learned in the industry. And she's yeah. like, I'm going to take this and become my own like girl boss. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I told her she would be equipped. Yeah. She, she knows the industry in and out. Uh, yeah, for sure. So his WWE career is kind of the peak of Chris Benoit. Okay. Wrestling wise, for sure. So in the year 2000, Chris and Nancy have a son together. His name is Daniel and they also get married. Same year. Chris starts wrestling for the WWE and Vince McMahon. So this seems to be where things are kind of like, like launching for Chris, right? I mean, this is probably, if you didn't know anything about the wrestling world, this is probably where you'd be like, oh, this guy made it. Sure. Because you don't know about the ECW, you know, yeah, other realms of wrestling. Right. You don't know this guy's been working for this since the 80s. This is like, okay, this is like, he's made it. He's made it. He's still pretty young, though. 2000s, he was born 1985. No, 1967. Oh, so 1980. No, 1985 is when he started wrestling at 18. I was going to say he was 40. Almost. Almost. Oh. Dude, I'm just like, I'm going to say it didn't look too bad <laughs> for a steroid out guy in his 40s. Right? So, Chris is constantly... No days off. <laughs> no days off, seriously. So... Chris is constantly getting storylines and big matches during this time, during the early 2000s, including a pay-per-view match against The Rock. Okay. Which, one knows who The Rock is Thank now. smell. <laughs> the eyebrow. I wish I could do the eyebrow. Like the the one, like, boop. You know, the arch. Just yeah. the one. Just the one, like, eyebrow. More. The youths don't know about the eyebrow. So, during this time, Chris also wins WrestleMania 20 in 2004. 2004, okay. He wins this to a sold-out crowd at the Madison Square Garden. That's a big crowd. That's, that's a big crowd. It's also a pay-per-view event. Yeah. Winning the world. That's like, <laughs> before I go into this, like, that's the pay-per-view events for wrestling is what I always remember when it comes to wrestling. Like, there was, like there was always a pay-per-view. Yeah. For wrestling. So this is when he wins WrestleMania. And WrestleMania is kind of... So there's Royal Rumble, there's SummerSlam, and there's WrestleMania. Okay. WrestleMania is like kind of... It feels like the Oscars. Okay. Because... Super Bowl. Yeah. I feel like the Oscars is a better metaphor because they're working towards a storyline throughout the year. (laughs) And they're building up to this, right? They're like... Trying to, like, write some character arc specifically that's, like, very enticing to the crowd. And they're working towards this. And, like, WrestleMania is kind of like, you did it. thing. Like, here's your Oscar, essentially. Okay. Love it. So, in 2004, Chris won that. And this is also kind of a big deal because he was, he had been recovering from... Like a over a year long break from neck surgery in 2001. So we did take a break okay. in 2001. During this night, during WrestleMania 20, Chris's best friend, Eddie Guerrero, also won his title match during this. And so it was pretty much a like peak night for both of these guys. Right? Oh, yeah, they're 
They're hugging in the ring. There's fucking confetti. They both have their belts. It's a big fucking deal. It's a good night. Yeah. So, despite the major success as a professional wrestler that Chris was having during this time, there was also a lot of pressure building up between Chris and Nancy at home. Mm, Okay. So, I listened to a... Chris Jericho podcast, who is another wrestler, and I've yeah. heard of him. Um, so Chris Jericho has a podcast called, I think it's called Talked with Jericho, where he interviews Nancy's sister, mm-hmm. and she was very close to Chris and Nancy. And she talked specifically about this time where it just felt like there was a lot of pressure on yeah. Chris and like a lot of pressure building up because Chris was also, she also described him as a really intense person. Okay. Because he cared a lot about wrestling. So he was very intense about his workout regimen. He was really intense about his food and his diet. He was intense about just everything involving wrestling. I wonder if he felt like, I'm here at this level and I can't blow it. Yeah. You have to like maintain or keep pushing. Right. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Especially like after the surgery, after his neck surgery too. Oh, because he'd been gone for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot to prove. I bet it was scary, too. Like, a neck surgery? Yeah. To go back to a... I mean, that's wild. Yeah. To, like, have to recover for a year and then, like, go back to, like, doing the same shit. Doing the same shit. Yeah. It's not... It's, it's, it's not, very scary. Yeah. But, like, this is all he had ever known. He had been doing this since he was a teenager. Yeah, he'd be like, well, I can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Were they wealthy? this point so this is the point where chris starts making a lot of money i think his like contract is four hundred thousand dollars a year that's not including merchandising and this is from his like yeah from his like merchandising he makes okay and also like bonuses he he gets from like winning matches and stuff yeah there's the incentives with this four hundred thousand dollar that's like his base pay essentially for a year but it's a lot and it's 20 years yeah and a neck surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And like steroids the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So despite Chris's major success as a professional wrestler during this time, like I said, there's pressure building up at home. So in 2003, Nancy had actually filed for divorce from Chris. And she filed for also a protective order stating that they had been in a heated argument. Okay. And he had like shoved her hard. And she was like, fuck no. And she's been through this before. And she's been through this before. And so she's like, I'm not doing this. So she leaves for two months. Whoa, two months yeah. is a long time. Yeah, so they so she files this order, she gets she files for divorce. You know, it's a whole oh thing. Oh my god, it, she must have really been pretty scared. Yeah. Yeah, and she did say that to a couple people specifically. She's like, Whoa. This I was like, I don't wanna do this. I mean, we're only hearing about one instance right now, but yeah. like for her to yeah, right. left. Right. Yeah, so there was also another argument that had happened during this time where Chris had been drinking and left and had actually gotten a DUI. So Nancy also began expressing a lot of concern about Chris's steroid use because he had been using at least for 15 years at this point. Steroids to, like, build himself up and, like, keep himself maintained. And he also continued using throughout his, like, year-long recovery. Oh, sure. And he wanted to like because she thought it would help him heal. She was she was worried because she asked him. She's like, "Why are you continuing to do this?" He was like, "I'm worried I'm gonna lose my mass, essentially." Oh my god. Yeah. So she she saw that as like 
kind of a red flag. Sure. So she was she was concerned with the steroid use and the pain pill addiction that he also had because doing this type of stuff to your body for that long, like you're going to have chronic pain. Yeah. And he was doing all this because he had the immense pressure to stay big and to stay like kind of consistent with his like shows. And so she was really worried about all of this. She expressed this a lot. Okay. However, when it came time to file for divorce, actually, Nancy and Chris decided to work things out mm-hmm. with the help of other wrestlers within like their like friend group. Because wrestling is also like a very big community based group. And I think for Nancy also being a wrestling, they had like just had like this kind of foundation of like wrestlers that sure, you know, that was their orbit. Yeah, that was in their orbit. Friends. Yeah. So they decided they want to try to make try to work things out. Nancy drops the divorce and she also drops the protective order in August of two thousand three. So in November of 2005, Eddie Guerrero, is Chris's best friend, dies in a hotel room due to acute heart failure. Oh, no. He was 38 years old. 38? Yeah. So it is believed that the heart failure was due to past steroid use and the prescription pill use that most of these wrestlers are using. Has sure like gone through, and also using alcohol. Yeah, it's like a hard life. It's really it's, a, it's a very very hard life on their bodies. And so Eddie yeah. specifically also had some sort of substance abuse that he went through, and like he actually at some point was kind of kicked out of WCW, worked his way back into okay. WCW, and that's when he won his title. Okay, which is really sad okay. that he eventually succumbed to all of this. So it said that when Chris found out about Eddie's death. He was absolutely inconsolable. Oh, Because no. it was his best friend. Yeah. And even though, like, Eddie was described as... Or not Eddie. Um, Chris was described as, like, a very stoic, kind of few words type of person a lot from, like, other wrestlers. He's also, like, really kind of clung to his tribe, essentially. Sure. And Eddie was, like, Loyal. a big part of his tribe. During this time... Like, Nancy was trying to figure out the best way to help Chris cope with Eddie's death. She gave Chris a journal. And she was like, you know, like, write down your feelings, write down whatever you want. And, like, a lot of it was, like, kind of very, um, like, blase, normal stuff. Like, I went to the gym today. I ate this today. Like, kind of like a, sure, like a workout journal almost. But there's also a lot of, um letters he kind of wrote essentially to Eddie. Wow. Like he was talking to Eddie oh. in the journal oh. and like just like right to how much he missed him and like you know like how much he wished he was still around yada yada yada. Oh, so rough. Yeah. And there's some parts of that that will maybe come later in okay. the story. Well I'll tell you now. Um, so subsist. <laughs> <laughs> I was like why, why am I waiting? So when they find this journals that had he specifically at one entry told eddie that he will see him soon okay in 2005 all right yeah so it was also during this time 
that there were so many other wrestlers within their community, specifically Nancy and Chris's, that they started dying, including a lot that were in their late 30s, early 40s. From like heart failure and like all the stuff that was probably kind of because of steroid use long term. Yeah, or like all the things they were doing. Yeah, yeah, just like a hard life. Yeah. So they basically tell like how all these people around him, around them dropping like flies. And not to mention they were probably using the same dealers. Yeah. It, it was it wasn't even dealers. It was doctors. It was dealers and doctors. It was sure. WCW specific. Oh, your pain meds. All right. So doctors. all the doctors. Okay. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Over maybe just there's a there was a whole section of this I had to take out about the doctors because it just was going to get too long and too convoluted, so I would have kept it. But it's just like there was too much, honestly. This is like about like the shit that they would give these wrestlers to essentially keep them running. You know, not like necessarily for health. It was just like you just got to keep going. Take this, take this, keep going. This case specifically brought a lot of that to light. So okay. So while all of these really close friends to Chris and Nancy were dying. These are also kind of the friends that would help tamper their fights. Like, they would call, be like, whoever, and be like, you know, kind of bitch. And they'd be like, okay, like, let's just chat. Like, and they would, like, joke with them and, like, get them kind of, like, in a better mood. So, like, when they got off the phone, they were in a better mood. Right? And without even, like, really trying, they were losing their support system as a couple. Sure. Which was, like, a major factor within the story. Right. Unfortunately. So... During all of this loss, Chris continued to work and wrestle. I think it was um, like the day after Eddie died, he had a wrestling match in like Europe he had to go to. He just like went to and said wow. like, I'm not doing this. Which speaks to like, yeah, it just speaks to the commitment these guys have. So instead of taking the break from the road, Chris just continued to work. Which is probably, I mean, for anyone, it's not a good sign, right? So, and then, like, during this time, Nancy's sister in the Chris Jericho podcast, she said it felt like there was just, like, this immense pressure building up within Chris. She just, like, kind of, like, described this like a pressure cooker, almost. Like, there was the dieting, there was the deaths, there was the wrestling matches. Chris was also getting up there in age. And... There was just all this weight building up on Chris, specifically. So in 2006, Chris finally started to take a sabbatical and let his body Whoa, okay. and his soul essentially heal wow. from like everything he had like been through in the last year. However, after and during the sabbatical, Chris started to express some paranoia and seemed to think that he was constantly being followed. Interesting. Yeah. So with this, he started taking different routes to the gym. So he had a home gym, but he wanted, he like had this routine where he would go to a different gym, like sure. offsite. Like yeah. And he would take different routes. And then like Nancy's sister, Sandra, talked about like how she would always want to take her car because it would like be like workout buddies. Like, oh, we'll take your car instead of taking mine. Because he was like, she never, he never said to her directly, but she was like, it felt like he was, like, worried that someone's going to follow his car specifically. So he's like, let's take yours. Wow. Okay. It seems like a change. Like, Yeah. 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 Okay. 
He would also, at this time, check his alarm system frequently. Mm. He was kind of like paranoid about that. He would also wouldn't let Daniel, his son, play outside by himself. And he oh, wow. he told Nancy she couldn't leave the house or go outside at six, after 6 p.m. Oh my God, so much anxiety. Yeah, he was just freaked out and worried. Oh. And no one seemed to understand, like, why? Right. Like, he never really expressed, because he was, like, a person, like, those known for few words, mm. who would never really be like this, I'm so freaked out about this. It was just like, these are the rules. These are the rules. Mm. We can't do this. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, scary. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And so the family, even at this time, moved houses and ended up in Fayetteville. Okay. And also got two large German shepherds as guard dogs. Like I said, Chris is also at the end of his in-ring wrestling career since he had just reached his 40th birthday at this time. <sighs> Which is Imagine insane. that. Same. Imagine how many careers that you don't make. I mean, that is probably worth a couple million dollars. Yeah. Oh, all right, fine. Never mind. I, take I mean, he's a popular wrestler, but like having, having done at 40, thinking you've like peaked in the career you've built since you were a teenager. And you got literally like more than half of your life, or about half of yeah, your life. Yeah, I've committed like to live. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. only forty. Mm-hmm. Sure. Also, you committed your entire life to this. You've lost a marriage. You know, and then you're just done. And then you're just done. And now you're only forty. You're not. You're forty. He was beginning to kind of feel the wear tear on his body Ugh. at forty, mm-hmm. and this also encouraged more pain management with pain pills mm-hmm. and also a little bit more steroid use because he was he was still trying to keep up sure right still working, right? and yeah he's not retired there was also because he had been using steroids for so long he needed to have like a, a therapeutic maintenance level of testosterone injected into his system because he had like kind of fucked up his own hormone sure at this point and so just, like, kind of keep himself at a baseline. Had to, like, inject testosterone into him. And these doctors, I'm sure. He's got a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a therapeutic. Whoa. Um, I don't know. <laughs> What's the word? Therapy, I guess. Sure. Coming from a doctor. Homotherapy. Homotherapy from a hormone WC. Hormone. You've said a lot of words tonight. It is. She means hormone therapy. Yes. Not homotherapy. Not homo. Please. Jesus. Um, therapeutic hormone therapy. Um, so he was having that happening to him at this time too, because he had been taking steroids for so long that, like, essentially fucked the entire. I believe it. Listen, like, oh, be just being a woman in twenty twenty four, we hear a lot about our hormones. Uh huh. And like, I think you could just live your normal life and still need hormone therapy, let yeah. alone. Yeah, all of this. So someone's like dealt with birth control. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. we kind of get it. <laughs> uh, which, you know. So, uh, even though Chris was worried about the next steps, Nancy, being this kind of savvy businesswoman mm-hmm. and like managing Chris this entire time, she was starting a new plan by establishing a wrestling school with the Chris Benoit name behind it. So she's like, we got a retirement plan. Yeah, she's like, I got this. We're going forward uh, with, with this plan. She had like t-shirts printed. This is all coming from her sister on the yeah, Jericho. Yeah, credibility. Podcast. Yeah, and like, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason why he couldn't, like, make this also a successful when you thing. think about, like, The Rock mm-hmm. transitioning not too long out of it. I mean, it no. must have been, like, this is messy. There's more. And, like, for me. Yeah, yeah. Goodness. Even, like, John Cena. Exactly. Yeah. Where they're just like, mm. well, like, I gotta get out of this. I can't do this forever. Business. Yeah, like, it's just, like, hard on your body. I can't imagine. Yeah. Okay, so, this is a bummer. Yeah. So, in 2007, Chris was moved from the WWE to the ECW, which some in the wrestling world would consider a demotion. Okay. Since the ECW was not as well known as or watched as compared to WWE. Okay. So, Chris was also kind of pushed into a mentorship role in the ring with younger and upcoming wrestlers to help them build their careers up. Okay. Which, listen, this is, this is his wife's plan. Yeah. You should maybe start getting used to it. Right. And like, but it's fine. Yeah. This is okay. Right. Right. And into it. Yes. I mean, like, at that point, like, you would think he would already be like, I'm just um, fucking tired. Yeah. Like, interesting. you know, some ego situation at play here. For sure. We are not talking about but definitely plays a role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these wrestlers have to, like, have the competence and the ego to sell their product, right? Yeah. They I are think, their product. I just like, think it makes you human. Yeah. Like, for sure. I'm not even criticizing. Yeah. But, like, certainly it plays a part. Yeah, absolutely. Some people just, like, don't want to gracefully bow out because it's yeah, not admit. To... Yeah. 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 All right. Well, okay. This is where it gets bad. So maybe the wine pour was good. <laughs> so on the weekend of June 24th, Chris was set to show up and win a championship match against CM Punk. I don't know. It's not becoming a wrestler. Oh. But he did not show. He did not show. He did not show. So, Chris was always considered a very stoic and professional wrestler. And him not showing up for a match just really kind of freaked everybody out. Okay. That's not normal. But no one expected what happened during this weekend and what Chris did. So this is a trigger warning for everybody. This is where things get rough. If you don't want to listen, um, you don't have to. I am not going to force these headphones on your head. This is a uh, familiar sign, I guess is the way you call it. A a family annihilator. This is whole family. Uh Family annihilator. Family annihilator. Yeah, that's what I know of the story. This is a family annihilator story. So this is where shit gets hard. Just if you don't want to listen, you don't have to. Okay, go on. All right. So Friday, June 22nd, 2007. Chris murders Nancy in the office of their home. No one really knows what caused him to do this. There's no one to kind of talk about what happened in that room. Because this is a... Because this is a... Dirty annihilator. And then murder suicide. Murder suicide. So, he bound Nancy's hands with TV cables and duct tape her feet together. Oh, fuck. No, this just seems like an intentional... This isn't like a... Like a plan. Which I'm, I'm telling you this for a specific reason. It's giving already a cubic link. I, I planned this. So after he bound her hands and feet, he put his knee on her back 
and then strangled her with a cord. Mm -hmm. He then wrapped her body in the blanket and set a Bible next to her. The Bible, no one really knows what the whole deal with that is because they were not religious in any sense. He could put anything next to her at that point. What does it matter? For sure. So... I'm just curious, though. Yeah. It, it's it's just, it's a weird detail, I guess. It's just like, why? Yeah, but it's, I don't know. It sounds like he was planning this. Yes. He did it and was like, this is this whatever ceremonial thing I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. So, um, Sandra in the Jericho, Talk to Jericho podcast, she talked about, like, how they were trying to get Daniel into, like, a private school, which most private schools are religiously affiliated within the States. And she was thinking, like, maybe because they had had gone to church for, like, a little bit recently to, like, give face for this private school there to get Daniel in. That, like, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. She talked about, like, how Chris was really into, like, all religions. And he just liked the idea of, like, talking about theology is, like, a, okay. a study. Yeah. And so she was just, she, even she was, like, I was, like, close to Chris. And we talked about, like, religion and theology in general. She's, like, I have no idea what the hell that was. Wow. Yeah. So truly, no one knows. Okay. I feel with that. So the next day on June 23rd, 2007, Chris gave his seven-year-old son, Daniel, a heavy dose of Xanax. The next day. Next day. Okay. Enough that he was unconscious. He then suffocated Daniel in his bedroom. And also left a Bible next to his body. Okay. So, on the same day, June 23rd, 2007, at 3.30pm, we called um, Chavo Guerrero, which is Eddie Guerrero's nephew. Okay. He called him and left a voicemail saying that he was going to be late to their match that evening because Nancy and Daniel had food poisoning. Which is not true, obviously. So Chavo tried calling Chris back because he thought that Chris sounded just weird. Fuck is going on with you, bro. But he didn't pick up. And then at 3.44 p.m., Chris called back and said that he was just tired because Nancy and Daniel were really sick and he was trying to find a later flight to get up for their match. Which just speaks to the commitment these guys have, I think. I mean, almost kind of sickening at that point. So Chavo at this point remembers Chris telling him that he loved him. And he remembers when he got off the phone, he said there was something about this that made me really uneasy. He could just tell. He could just tell. Which is, this is also from a different episode of the Jericho podcast. He talked to him. Okay. After Chavo gets off the phone with Chris... When he says that he loved him, he's like, this is weird. I don't know why. I feel really uneasy. He calls Chris back. Okay. He's like, are you, are you just, are you okay? He's like, what the fuck is going on with you? Yeah. And he said that he had just had a stressful day with Nancy and Daniel being sick with food poisoning. One shot. And then Chavo replies with, okay, if you need anything, just please just let me know. Yeah. I'll pick you up from the airport tomorrow. Because he said that he had, like, rescheduled his flight. Because he was supposed to fly into Houston. Got it. Okay. For for, for a wrestling match. On June 24th, around 3 a.m., 
Chavo and a wrestling referee received five text messages from Chris and Nancy's phones. The first four texts say the address of Nancy and Chris's home. Just that. Like, my address is blank. It's online. I didn't really feel like saying it because I don't know if anyone lives there now or what's mm-hmm. going on there. Oh, sure. Yeah. And the last text said that the dogs were in the pool area locked away. Such a odd... Yeah. And that the side garage door was unlocked. So Chavo, when he, like, woke up and, like, read these sex messages, he thought this was weird, but then he's like, okay, I'm picking Chris up in, like, five hours from the airport. So I'm just, I'm just gonna ask him when I pick him up at the airport, like, what the fuck is going on? Sure. He's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what's happening He's right acting now. weird. He's but... acting weird, but, like, we're gonna talk about when he gets here in person. Maybe he wants to talk about it in person. That's why yeah, he's not thinking thing. the worst. You're not thinking the worst. Absolutely. So later that morning, Chris called WWE, like, their offices. Because WWE at this time also is part of ECW. And, like, okay. he, like, owns, not he, they own ECW. He calls them and said that he was going to have to take a later flight for his match that evening. Since his wife and son were now in the hospital with food poisoning. Okay. And he specifically said that, like, Nancy had it really bad. His son Daniel wasn't as bad, but they were both still like just like really sick. So later that day, Chris did not show up for his match. So his match specifically was like some sort of title weight match against. Okay. So and he was actually scheduled to win against CM Punk. Oh, was yeah, the yeah. I can't believe they were like, no, this there will be a winner and a loser. Ah, that's what they do. So sometime after he made that call. To the WWE agency. Saying he was going to make it to his match. Chris goes downstairs to his home gym. And he makes a noose. With a cord from a lateral weight machine. Okay. Can you imagine what I'm talking about? Like the. Yeah. yeah like you hold the bar. And you the pull lat down, pull down. The lat pull down machine. So he makes a noose with that cord. Sure. If I was going to hang myself at my gym. I would have probably used the same. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a very morbid dark But if thought. you're going to do it, which I assume is what happens. Yes. A noose. Yeah. I would oh, use the same machine. So after doing that, he adds as much weight as he can to this machine. Oh so he God. adds like I wouldn't have dumbbells. Okay, maybe I But like no one else could have done this because Chris Benoit was so fucking intensely in shape and buff. No one else could have added this weight to this machine and pulled it down. Whoa. He was like, this is my last hurrah. Yeah. It's also very, it feels very symbolic that he decides to use a weight machine to kill himself. After all of, after all of this bullshit he's been through. How many through. times he's used that? After how many times he's used that. Yeah. Jesus. So he wraps Tyler on his neck and then wraps the cord from the lateral, the lap machine. Also around his neck. I'm sorry. Like, like the picture that you're painting. And then he lets the weight drop. And he dies by strangulation. Which is how he kills himself. Okay. So Nancy, or not Nancy, um, Sandra, in the Jericho podcast. His wife's sister. Yes, his, Nancy's, Nancy's sister. She says that they found, like, Google searches 
from that weekend, like basically him Googling how to quickest way to break a neck. Okay, because it does seem like he's looking to. Yeah, and it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so at this point, Nancy, Daniel, and Chris are all deceased on Sunday. On June 25th, the body of the families were discovered after Chris didn't show up to his match. And then also the text that he sent to Chavo in the wrestling referee were kind of like they ever like they kind of like aligned and put together they're like oh fuck this has become a thing and there's a whole plethora of voicemails throughout the weekend and it's really tragic because everyone's like hey because of the pictures calling nancy calling chris like can you call me you heard the voicemails of people looking for him yeah a lot of them because everyone's like hey where the fuck are you guys yeah. Like, hey, I hope you guys are okay. Like, I heard this type of situation. <sighs> yeah. So, initially, it was just like, oh, Chris's family were found deceased in the house. And it wasn't assessed until, like, a couple days later that Chris was the one that actually had done this. There was a memorial, like, televised event for Chris. In Yeah, immediately. Okay. (laughs) Because, fun fact, Vince McMahon's character, his, like, wrestling character, Mm -hmm. was supposed to be having a funeral. Even though he was dead. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of kitschy. Yeah. His his character was supposed to be having a funeral. But instead of having the funeral, they decided to change it to the Chris Benoit Memorial. Wow. So there was, like, a a two-hour... Yeah, it was, like, a two-hour, three-hour thing. Oh, my God. And then, like, kind of Praising Chris and like talking about how much of an amazing wrestler he was. There was tons of wrestlers on there just talking about like how great a person he was, how great a wrestler he was. Because I mean, I like I will say like everyone talks about like how good a wrestler he was. He's a pretty good like technical wrestler, but no one really knew. Jesus, there's a rumor that goes around. I don't know if it's true that like Vince McMahon found out during the middle of this televised broadcasts about Chris that he found out that Chris was the one that actually like had killed his family. Oh wow. But like what are you fucking supposed to do? Cancel it. Fly on a, the wall. Right? Like like go on TV and be like, well, actually he did this, so fuck this guy. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like um, bad journalism. Yes. Yes. It's not journalism at all in place. Maybe take a beat. Yeah. You know? Maybe just, like, go along with, like, the planned thing and just do, like, a memorial service later. later. Yeah. Or, like, comes... maybe not try to, like, totally exploit these people's lives immediately. Or just don't be a piece of shit like Vince McMahon. Yeah. Well, it seems like the kind of guy who would yeah. mind exploiting the, yes. the minute they well, found out the yeah. family. Like, been... when Eddie Guerrero died, they had, like, a like a broadcast i think the next day see it's a lot it's, it's a like, lot take a minute and chris benoit is on that broadcast just like fucking distraught oh no because you know but it's the same time if it's like out in the press and you're doing kind of like live matches yeah like how you have to i don't know it yeah at some point i know it's complicated yeah yeah it's not my job maybe just like cancel the broadcast like, it's early 2000s and 
like we talked about Chelsea lately, like mm-hmm. we've come a really long way. That's very true. So yeah. like and like empathy for human yes. beings. So yeah. So this broadcast happened, which was afterwards yeah. um obviously yeah, bad yeah since chris was such a well-known wrestler such a big persona within the wrestling community the story instantly got tons of media coverage and everyone wanted to know how did this quiet nice guy do this to his family because it's literally how everyone described him he was just like this quiet stoic nice guy sure. like outside the ring so the initial thought that this was Broid Rage. But because Chris had killed Nancy the way that he did, Broid Rage didn't seem to be kind of the culprit. Broid didn't seem like an act of passion. Yeah. Yeah. Like very sudden. Yeah. And so like, yeah. yeah. So there's like a really poignant part of the Jericho podcast, which I don't really know a whole lot about Chris Jericho. But he has this moment where he's talking about like he's like, he's like oh he's like I, it's like marriages are hard he's like I can kind of see how like there was a crime passion with killing your wife. Wow, he said that. Yeah, and he's like he's like maybe that's like kind of what happened. He kind of spiraled in Sandra or Sandra. He said yeah. that to the sister. Yes, Sandra's oh like God. she's like no no no, she's like he brutalized my sister. Is what she said. She's like, there was a ton of blood in that room. Is also what she said, which I didn't get into because well, I just, yeah, I'm not floored by that. So, Roy Rage was kind of axed out of the the cause, even though at this time Chris had a ton of stories in his system, according to his autopsy report. But there was also the fact that he was taking it for therapeutic purposes. I, I quote therapeutic because we don't really know because of like the the MPS he had had throughout the years, and no one could really tell like if he was taking it to kind of keep his t- testosterone at like a baseline level, or if it was like a building your muscles up type of thing. Okay, because I mean, so like even at this point, it still just like wasn't regulated as it is now so another predominant theory is that chris was probably suffering from cte which is chronic traumatic enthropathy yeah the concussion movie that yes. smith made yes happened to what's his name aaron hernandez yes yeah. Hernandez. yeah and many others yeah have um, you have you ever had a concussion I have had a concussion. Was you had a concussion? I was like six years old, and I was in. I actually had a conversation with my husband the other day. Um, he has not had a concussion. I remember vividly. So I was in uh, a family friend's house, and they had this living room, which was like a converted garage that had been turned into a living room. Okay. It sounds sort of ghetto, but it didn't look ghetto. But like basically it was like the subfloor was concrete and there wasn't mm. like softer floor. Right. And a so carpet or rug there was or... carpet over it, but it was just like probably a pad and then carpet. Okay. And this is the problem here. So like I'm I was just my my sister's five years older than me. 
And so she was friends with this, was a friend of hers. Okay. And I was at their house and she, she kind of lays on her back on the, on the carpet and she's got her feet and her arms in the air and she puts a bean bag on her feet and she wants me in the bean bag. So it's like her, like, um, you know, like upside down. Oh, the airplane thing. Yeah. And and so she's going to kick her feet Uh and and in the bean bag and I'm in the bean bag and I'm supposed to land on my feet. But I didn't land on my feet, uh, and then I landed on my head, <laughs> and I... The literal opposite of the feet. The opposite of the feet. It did not work. And I remember being in so much pain, and I remember throwing up. Okay. Like, uncontrollably, and everybody panicking, and I wanted to sleep very badly. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a lot of, like, absolutely do not fall asleep. Yeah. Vomiting out the window on the way to the hospital. Hospital. And then I get to the hospital and they have all these like packages of like, I don't know, like the 90s. I was born. It was probably like 94, 95. So you're like seven? Yeah, I was like six or seven. And they have these like foam pillows that they have to do to probably do like a CT scan or something. Mm-hmm. And so they, they put you, at, it felt just like, I remember these oddly shaped pillows that I put my head on that was really painful. It was just miserable. Yeah. And then nothing ever happened after that. Because what can you do for a concussion? No. Like, they're just like, oh, well, nothing's broken. So we can't, we don't need to do surgery or like, you know, drill the brain. Right. Um, no, no bleeding. No, well, I, who knows? Yeah. My mother can't tell us about it, but I, I mean, you're in your 30s. I remember, I remember, I almost also kind of remember the, in my child brain, concussed child brain, mm-hmm. I feel like I remember throwing up different colors no and that can't really be true yeah but i remember it like one time it was pink and then it was blue and it could have been like eating skittles you know i know it's true it could have been something like that yeah but i remember eating very colorful vomit wow okay interesting how about you you've had a concussion yeah i've had a concussion i had a concussion during a snowboarding marathon I, I yeah okay. I used to do like a participate in like a race called Hope on the Slopes okay which is a twenty four hour snowboard marathon which okay. you essentially snowboard for twenty four hours this. I've heard of this I've and heard of, I've heard of you doing this yeah I, I, yeah I've done multiple times and there was one year that it was very very icy oh and we were I was like snowboarding in the middle of the night because you basically snowboard from seven a.m. seven a.m. Why are they not do this anymore? They still do. Yeah. They do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was probably like midnight and I was snowboarding and it was really icy and I like hit like an edge bed and I like slammed my head into the ice. Forward? Uh-huh. Oh, and I had like a high blade nose <gasps> and I got up and like I just knew and I was like, fuck. <laughs> Something bad happened. Yeah. Like this isn't like just be like seeing stars and like this is like something bad oh gosh and thankfully at least because it was so boring marathon and i had to like ride until 7 a.m i couldn't go to sleep you didn't go to the like i went to ski patrol and i knew the head of ski patrol time and i talked to him i told him i did like i was like getting like my face cleaned up from the blood and i was like yeah i'm like i think i have a concussion he was like looking at my pupils he's like yeah, you definitely do. Um, and he had been like a ski patrol, like lead for. I've seen many. Uh, he's seen many concussions. He told me some pretty fucking gruesome stories. Sure. He actually, I used to work with him at the kitchen. 
randomly because this we didn't as often as like worked in kitchens and like ski patrols over the winter which is the life kitchen gypsies his name was his name was steve but we called him steve out before he was before steve was a thing i think or maybe the same time he has been a thing for a while steve was doing really well yeah um yeah, I think he's still alive. Yeah, he is, and he's like, I think he's sober. Oh, well, I'm talking about, like, my Cebo. I have to skip Because <laughs> when I met him, he was well into his 50s. Okay. Hopefully he's retired. Okay. Yeah, I think he's retired now. Well, he found a retirement. Yeah, I should look him up. Um, but I remember, like, hey, like, I walked into, like, the ski troll, like, area of Stevens Pass. I was like, hey, I'm like, I think I gave myself a concussion. I'm like, I've told what happened. It's like, were you wearing a helmet? I was like, no. It's. I don't know. man. Like, I'm not like a fucking nerd. I don't wear helmets. <laughs> you kidding me, sir? <laughs> what year was it? Uh, this was. I did it, like, the last time I did it, and this was the last time I did it. It was 2015, the year my dad died. 2015, it's too late to not be wearing Yeah, I have a helmet now. Um, But. He like he like said like he looked at me people so he's like yeah you have like concussions like he's like it's pretty and he's like he's like I think it's mild this is not a doctor this is not a doctor <laughs> I he's like I think you're okay he's like clearly you have to continue snowboarding what the fuck and I was like yeah I know I have but like, I have to stay awake at least he's like yeah he's like he's like okay he's like you stay awake you keep snowboarding and he's like in a couple hours if you feel sick. Okay. Well, I did just say, what can you do for a concussion? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. He's like, if he's like, if you feel like you want to, like, basically pass out, vomit, whatever, he's like, come find me. Okay. He's like, and we'll figure it out. Okay. I was like, okay. I think you might be right. And so I could say, sobering. Okay. Uh, And there was a point where I felt sick and I felt, I feel like I did throw up. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And I finished the race, and now I wear a helmet. So, clearly we have both suffered from a concussion. We know it's traumatic, and we know it's a pretty intense brain injury. So this happens to a lot of professional athletes. It's become more and more of a heavily debated topic. Yeah, like, it's not great if it happens to you once. It's really not good if it happens to you many, many, many times. Yes. And it probably happens to them many times. Yes. So Chris Benoit specifically was a person that would take chairs to the back of the head, which I can't imagine doing that more than once. I can't imagine doing that once and be like, oh, that was like great television. Let's keep fucking doing this. I'd be like, you sitting in the back of the head. Like, what the fuck am I doing? And when you say these things, I can, I, cause I've seen it. Is it? Right <laughs> I think we can all, like, it's something, they do it hard. Hitting someone with a chair, even if it's fucking quote-unquote fake, or like a light, or a light hit, it just, it doesn't look like it feels good. No. And, like, I don't care what you say unless it's a fucking piece of foam, Mm -hmm. like a fucking pool noodle, that's going to do damage. Yeah, it does not look like it feels good. And Chris was known to do this, like, constantly. Mm -hmm. He was, like, one of the people who would, like, be willing to take a chair to the back of the head. Wow. And so it was kind of assessed that he was suffering from CTE. Mm-hmm. And there's been some 
So he, so he did an autopsy done. Like, okay, I was going to say, was it speculated or did they do an autopsy? So they did an autopsy. And they looked at his brain and the University of West Virginia assessed that he had the brain of like an 85-year-old dementia patient. Really? Yeah. But, I mean, that's like a heavily debated statement because Chris was lucid. He wasn't like an 85-year-old dementia patient, you know. Okay. And so, Sandra, Nancy's sister, she doesn't believe this is true, specifically. Okay. She's like, Chris, you know, like, you could put Chris in any airport blindfolded, and he would know how to get to, like, any... Because he'd find something. Yeah, he'd know how to get to any gate. She's like, there was no way he was, like, that far gone in, like, brain injury. Okay. Okay, so she's strictly on the. This was a fucked up person. That's... We'll go, we'll get to that. Um, so I'm I'm. It's I'm not saying he did like, and she's not saying she didn't have he didn't have it, but she's just saying like. Let's not excuse all of how. Yes, like but... if she's saying essentially, because Chris's family, like his parents and stuff, were basically like he had CTE. This is why he did this. It was not him that did this. Yeah, okay. it was not him that did this. It was like some sort of injury from the CTE that made him do this because also the paranoia was happening. It's very complicated. And like, it it feels like putting that in like a very fancy fucked up bow like that doesn't seem to really be doing a service to anybody. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And so that's kind of like where um, Nancy's sister is coming from. Yes. And she talks about it. Yeah, she talks about that like specifically in the Jericho podcast. Okay. I would highly recommend if you have any interest in the story, just anybody's listening, to listen to that podcast because she gives some really interesting insight to Chris and Nancy and Daniel in a way that like no one else would know because she was super close to all of them. And she also kind of does it from a place of for lack of a better word, love. She's like, she's like, I don't hate Chris. It doesn't sound like she does. And it's not what you're saying. It's yeah. Like she's being pretty fair. But yeah. Also being like, I said, like, yeah. He, like he made a choice. He made choices. To yeah. Do this. Yeah. And that's kind of where she's coming from. She's like, you know, it's like, it's not this thing I can just turn off. She's yeah. like, I knew Chris for so long. She's like, we had like so many good memories together. She's like, I just can't act like any of that didn't happen. And yet he still, he still did this. This horrible thing. Yes. So Sandra also talked about, besides the CTE stuff, she said it was kind of a combination of the steroid and pain pill abuse. The CTE and the pressure of Chris having to retire. And there's also some rumors about Chris having an affair with another valet within the WWE. Right. The third big confirmed denied. And, you know, she also, she's like, you know, she's like, my sister Nancy, she's like, she wasn't necessarily a saint either. She's like, she was probably drinking pretty heavily. She's also probably taking some Xanax or whatever to kind of, like, cope with, like, all the loss that she had also suffered. She's like, it just felt like a, like she said, like a pressure cooker where the things were, like, kind of came to this point and this point was a really catastrophic moment for a weekend, which is unfortunate because just... Hindsight. Nancy, or not Nancy, Sandra, I can't call her Nancy. Um, Sandra talks about that. She's like, she's like, she doesn't really understand why everybody had to go. Yes. She's like, because 
because uh, Jericho asks her specifically, he's like, do you think Chris did that because he felt like Daniel would have nowhere to go? Because I feel like that is what we feel like, quote, quote, orphan. Is that it, it's better for them yeah. this way. Yeah, and she was like, I know he knows there was no way I was going to let Daniel not grow up without me. She's like, I know that he knows that he would have a place to go. He would have a place to go. Well, there's just never any way to explain it. Yeah. The truth. Yeah. There, it never makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. And she talked about, like, how she couldn't have kids. She can't have kids. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, she's like, that was the only grandchild of my parents were going to have. Oh, my God. Biologically. Yeah. She says that Chris would have known that I would, I would have taken care of him. I would have taken him in. But it might no be way. more than that. It might not. It might be like, my son can't know what yeah. I've done. Yeah, and there's also that. I can't let him know mm-hmm. what. Yeah. Because the shit I am. <laughs> You're like just this fucking moment where I just killed everything. Yeah, you know, he can't know this terrible thing I did to his yeah. mom. Yeah, like, absolutely. Happened. There's probably a lot of. Yeah. Reasons. It's a little bit of an ego thing, I, I think. I mentioned that earlier, yes. That's yeah, I think just because, ego. I mean, like wrestlers in general, just they have egos, they kind of have to. In order to like perform and do the things they do, right? So, immediately after this, like I said, the WWE did this promotion of Chris's memorial, essentially his family. And then after I found out what happened, they went in the defensive because everyone was like, "He went to Roid Rage and he dealt and he did this because of Roid Rage." It was like kind of being thing. the initial like, "Oh my God, he did this because of this." They, they, they wanted the defensive claiming that story abuse was not the main factor of Chris's actions, which I, I think I agree with. And that they had a wellness program placed in within the WWE to monitor and to make sure that like their wrestlers were not using steroids in order to maintain their physique for wrestling. And then everybody was scrawny after that? No. Well, fuck. So, with Vince McMahon being a piece of shit, I think we should take that with a grain of salt because okay. during this time, a huge roster of wrestlers were kind of outed for testing positive for steroids within the WWE. And this comes from the shady pharmacies and shady doctors that the WWE was working with, which is like, you like the entire section of this. Shit, I deleted. We're, we've gone. Right. We got to the log at this point, right? I So this put a spotlight on the wellness program within the WWE, and they were and like the question was if they were actually ensuring the safety of the wrestlers, or if this was just like a facade. To like a piece of people wheels turn, keep the wheels turning. Be like, oh, we're doing this to make sure. Because like at this point, there's not been like ton of wrestlers that have died super early because steroid use. Yes. yes, and a big part of this that I listened to from the Behind the Bastards Vince McMahon episode is when the WWE became sports entertainment and not sports. Okay. They were able to kind of have this loophole around steroid use 
the sports world has to like kind of adhere to. Wow. So basically, Vince McMahon like created this. Yes, we're we're not like quote unquote sports program. program. We are sports entertainment. So this is all a facade. And that's kind of I think like wrestling. Look, when like the public knew that wrestling wasn't real, because Vince McMahon wanted to make sure that he could continue letting these wrestlers be doped up, even to the point of their physical detriment. And just pretending like it was okay. Yeah. Because. And he was doing it too. Yeah. He was doing it too. So. With this. Also with the wellness program being like having a spotlight on it. This led to the use of banning chairs being used as propped. Okay. During the matches. I feel like this was like the one physical thing they could do. Sure. WWE. And this effectively was a wake up call for a lot of wrestlers within the WWE themselves they're you know i think they saw this they're like i don't want to not end up but like just like i don't want to take this road like i see like the harm it can cause yeah and so like there's a lot of wrestlers that kind of like this was a wake-up call for them specifically wow that's good yeah yeah so i mean like this is like i mean i don't know what the wwe is now i don't either i literally cannot listen to I can't do any more wrestling. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I can't fit eight more in this goddamn brain cavity. <laughs> Nancy is survived by her mother, father, and sister oh. that I've talked about. And they established the Nancy and Daniel Benoit Foundation, which I find it interesting that they used the Benoit name. That was their name? That was their name. I just... Actually, why wouldn't you use it? I mean, yes, notoriety, right? And also, it's like, that's what it is. So this foundation helps women trying to escape domestic violence situations. Yeah. And Chris still has two kids surviving from his first marriage. And Nancy's sister, Sandra, talked about beginning to, like, rebuild a relationship with them. Really? Yeah. She sounds like a really special... Yeah, she was, she's, like, I really, I do really highly recommend that interview. Wow. It's, it's a long interview, it's like two hours long, but she just, like, yeah. She has a lot talked about, she has a lot to say, and I think a lot of her stuff she says is very poignant. It's funny, because I listened to the last podcast in the last episode of this, and I listened to her interview with Chris Jericho, and it feels like the opposite ends of the conversation. Because... The left podcast, the left guys are big wrestling fans. Oh, was yeah, because you're more around there. I think it, think it, was, it, it was Ben. Yeah, yeah, it was Ben Kissel. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's all around that uh, podcast, but Marcus was also a fan. A fan. Okay. Yeah, Henry was the only one who's like, I don't fucking know what you guys talk about. Okay. But listening to that and listening to Sandra's like talk like- with. Yeah, yeah, like with Jericho. It was like just, I really did feel like I truly got like both sides of the spectrum. Which is funny because there's been a push recently to get Chris Benoit inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And like every time they like kind of talk about nominees for this, I guess there's like a big fan base that presses, that pushes Chris. And she was like, there's no fucking way this is going to happen. She was like, you guys need to let that go. And she talks about, like, you know, like, Chris's matches. What is happening in the world? 
where like men can do the most fucking awful shit and people are like yeah but he was a good wrestler i like his music um, i, I agree like his movies um, i agree he was a good president or we're gonna yeah. fuck like what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, like he did horrific things. I he uh, killed a child, a seven-year-old, his own child. Yeah, there's nothing more like I know. I know horrific. Not, I mean, there's no word for it. Yeah, there's something else like hellish. Yeah, frankly, there's like nothing worse you can and do I in guess the world. He was suffering. I Clearly, this this conversation has been very kind. I've been trying to be as fair as possible. CB, you have been so kind, but he intended. He did some kill his whole family. Yeah, kill himself. Yeah, and, and that's it. I think that's. Ho- I'm hope- hopeful. That's what you're taking from this. Is it's that statement of like you're not responsible. What happens to you, mental health wise, is not like on you, but you are responsible with how you deal with it. Yeah, and listen, like, maybe... I mean, CTE is another level. CTE is another thing, but, like, you also have to recognize that you have... Like, you and I just talked about having concussions that be fucking new. So you have to recognize, like, I have this and I have to, like... Like, there's no risk... Yeah. We had access to help. Yeah. Not really. We had the money to go and get himself... Well, you're in life, he did. Yes, for sure. Therapy. Yeah. But, I mean, there's also... I mean, there's been a couple wrestlers since then that have, like, kind of retired early because they've had too many concussions so yeah, i mean yeah yeah there's there is some progress in that sense especially you know, like with wrestling and football yeah for sure you know but like there's still a huge conversation around cte specifically but no hall of fame no. hall of fame just no fucking sorry way. um no family annihilators allowed yeah it's the least of the criteria yeah and that should be excluded yeah and there's you know there's like some talk about there's some wrestlers that can't show their best matches because they were against Chris. And, like, the WWE has effectively wiped him from the history of WWE. Well, sorry. Which is, I do, I don't think bad is the word. It's just, it's ironic because how much Chris committed his life to wrestling to be effectively wiped out of it because of the actions he took. It's tragic. It's a fucking it's tragedy. Yeah, it is a tragedy. It's just tragedy all around. It's yeah. like unfortunate. But the thing that really pisses me off is no one talks about Nancy's matches. Yeah. You know, Nancy's matches don't like getting highlighted. They're not getting talked about. Because she was also, she was a valet. But she also had some pretty big moments within the wrestling community where like you could also highlight her. Because she was also very committed to wrestling. She was a manager. She was managed so many people. And she wanted to like build a business from wrestling. So with the same fucking statement you make about Chris, you also have to make about Nancy. But like people aren't doing that. Chris has been effectively wiped from WWE's history. And recently Damn. they started showing some of his matches. But not like a ton. I think kind of like the big ones. I think like WrestleMania 20 is probably the big I'm one. I'm not sure what it like F, like what it does to benefit anybody to like pretend like it didn't happen. Right. Like, that's kind of weird. I mean that's Vince McMahon saving face. That's Vince McMahon acting like this didn't happen on his fucking watch. Sounds like you wanted to do a Vince McMahon episode. See? Listen to the Vince McMahon behind the bastards. Behind the bastards is so good. 
behind the bus. So the one thing about the Bits McMahon episode that I really fucking love is the right word. I guess enjoyed, even though it's a horrific series, is the same guy that was the guest host on the Steven Seagal episode is the same guy on the Vince McMahon episode. Okay. <laughs> and the Steven Seagal episode is the episodes I always recommend to people because oh. the guest host does such a fucking good Steven Seagal impression okay. and makes such good fun of Steven Seagal and it's so fucking funny that I have to, like, carry it over. <laughs> <laughs> does he do a good Vince McMahon? No, he doesn't. But, like, Robert Evans... It, which is the host behind the bastards he calls him sean baby i can't imagine this is fucking name but <laughs> the love i have for sean baby carries over <laughs> so maybe that's why i enjoy this i mean like i mean how you said it was a five part it's six it's a lot it's a lot that's a lot i have dived deep into wrestling <laughs> and i don't want to be here anymore well let's wrap this shit them. God, thank you. This is awful. Uh, it's awful. But I thought you did really. It it's terrible. Really very sensitive. I honestly, I'm. Some might say apologetic. <laughs> Maybe a cross apologetic. Shit, I don't want to do that. that. You weren't. You weren't. Okay. We were not. We were not. But yeah, I thought you were very sensitive. Yeah, I tried very hard. Yeah, I tried to do. I did so much research for this one, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of red flags. A lot of red flags. Take care of ourselves. That's. I think that's the big one. Don't take steroids. No. And if you're going to take steroids, maybe don't also, like, abuse your body, not sleep, do drugs. Always use alcohol. Like, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you can only... Let's choose one. Yeah. Choose one. Have advice. Yeah. Advice to balance. Tequila. <laughs> As we usually take a shot of at the beginning of this episode. Occasionally. Occasionally. That, I, I have decided that as a regular thing new thing it's like three episodes in at this point yeah they can take shots yeah yeah well it was like pretty mexico god no was yep the one we did last Post week mexico and now this is officially... this three number three officially... this, is epi- this is episode seven it's mostly half of our episodes <laughs> <laughs> what a good episode yeah very thorough yeah. i really like research <laughs> i mean dive deep dive I mean, this didn't. I'm not gonna lie, this didn't feel like a deep dive. I put it on. But you only go so far before you lose control. So, which is the moral of the story for this episode, I think. Yeah, we did. All right, well, uh, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, bitch. Thank you so much for listening. For podcast updates and episode photos, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Grimly Podcast. Also, be sure to rate and review our episodes, and we will see you next week for another episode.